He's showing Israel, your life is in chaos. The only thing that will bring your life out of chaos, that will give structure to that which is lacking structure and fill that which is void, is going to be God's word. Welcome to the Access Youth Ministry Podcast, the podcast that believes that faith in Jesus changes things. I know it because it's changed me. And my name's Addison Smith, and what you just heard was Pastor A.J. Lutrick, a church planner in Seattle, Washington, and he's speaking about chaos. And maybe you're out there and your life feels empty, your life feels like it's in chaos, and maybe everything even on the outside looks great, but you know on the inside there's nothing but this emptiness, this tohu and this bohu as we've talked about in the previous two episodes, you're going to want to listen in as we see how God takes the chaotic and the empty and brings structure and fills it even in our very own lives. I'm excited for this conclusion to this series. You're not going to want to miss out. So let's get into it. All right, Brother AJ, we are wrapping up with our third and final episode in our Chaos and Order series. And I just want to thank you again for taking the time out of your day to come and record these with us. It's I know I've learned a lot from this, and it's just really, you know, expands my respect for the Bible and even increases my love for the Bible. You know, it just makes it even more I, I use the word delicious, more tasty. It just makes it just more desirable and Isn't more that awesome. More alive. Yeah. And like we were talking, we were talking over lunch about how uh, the word of God is, is quick. It is. And that, mm. that means alive. The part of your fingernail that is pink and hurts if you cut, that's called the quick. It is alive. Mm. And so to study Genesis one, it's not just a history lesson. It's not the, uh, the, that warning symbol before the movie that pops up and nobody reads and then you yeah. get into the good stuff. No, this is, this is as alive and even I'll be honest through the course of this podcast, talking through it and having the luxury of talking and not being in a preaching setting, it's, it's connecting things even in my mind that, Whoa, this is right. I never thought of it that way. So this is, this is awesome. I've loved it. Well, thanks, Brother AJ. We're excited. We're sad that this is the last episode. We're going to have to have you come back down one of these days. We'll have to do a a, a different series. But here's where we left off last time. We left off with seeing God. There's this tohu and bohu. There was this formlessness and void. And before I go on, if you haven't listened to the previous two episodes, you need to go back. You right. really need to go back and listen to those first two because we're going to build from there and you might feel lost. You might not get the full impact of this last one if you didn't listen to the previous two. But if you listen to the previous two, you remember that we were talking about this formlessness and this void and how the Israelites would be feeling the exact same thing, whether they had just come out of Egypt, a formless and void nation where they're under these idols, or whether they're wandering in the wilderness where their life is literally feeling meaningless and worthless. This is huge. They identify with this. And then we come to this this view, this image, you know, of of God. He's bringing in this structure to where once there was this formlessness, and He's filling what once was void and empty. And we saw that in each of the days of creation. We saw the first three days. If you were looking in columns, the first three days He had structure. The second three days He fills what He structures, and it was just beautiful. It was beautiful. And today, Brother AJ is going to take us through and show us how he did this, you know, like, I, I don't think though at the end, you're going to be able to do it yourself, but he's going to explain, <laughs> right. you know, what God did and why it's so potent and how he's still doing it today. And so without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to brother AJ. How in the world did he get this done? Okay. So that's a fair question, right? We've, 
We've talked about what the situation was and then what God did to change the situation. So a fair question would be, how? How did this happen? So let's go back to the very beginning, verse number three. And God said, Mm. let there be light. And there was light. That was the process. So he didn't go to Walmart and buy light. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't, he didn't sit there and do, do any process for it to grow somehow. Listen, God said. Literally, it was, it was the word spoken. And God, who is God, God who has all authority, all power, what he's showing Israel, uh, that the people that were hearing this for the first time, he said, God said, let there be light, and it happened. Mm. And uh, I pointed this out in the course of preaching. Uh, you can just do this as a drive-by. Verse 3, God said. God 6, and God said, let there be a firmament, and there was. And, and this pattern continues. Whenever God said, it happened. So that's the how. That's, yeah. that's how God gave structure to that which is lacking structure. That's how God filled that which is voice is God said. And I can, I can throw this in, and if, if, uh, if this is helpful, I hope it's helpful. Uh, one of the most impactful things I heard uh, growing up was uh, mark your Bible and let the Bible mark you. Mm. So I, I know for me, I, I have this Bible here. It's a, it's a big Bible. We were talking about that before. Pastor Addison's like, you have a big Bible. I, <laughs> I do. I, I like, but here's why I like to mark it. I like to, yeah. to, to have notes. And if you were to be sitting right here, Pastor Addison's next, sitting next it. to me, there's colors, there's different uh, brackets and words I've written in the side. Uh, make it a habit. Whenever you're studying your Bible, one of the most beneficial things you can do is, is is mark patterns. And here's how I did that. In verse number three, the two words God said, I circled that in blue. And then three verses later, it says, and God said, yep. circled it in blue. And then I did that all the way through verse nine, verse 11, verse uh, 14, verse 20, verse 24, and God said. And you know what that will help you do? It, it'll make it very clear on the page so that someday you will probably be in a situation where you're teaching this to someone. You're helping somebody else see the truth that you've been taught, which, by the way, is a biblical thing to do. And uh, that's it's a mandate that we have. So it helps you teach, but it also internalizes it yeah. in you. So I did that with God said uh, all throughout Genesis one where it says and God divided. I circle that in black on on the days i circle that in red it just it helps so mark your bible for and sure let the bible mark you and here's the thing if you're sitting there and you're thinking i don't want to mess up my really nice bible yeah. you can go and get one fairly cheap yes. you can get one on amazon that's pretty nice i give it away to some teenagers for 11 dollars, yeah and they're going to hold up for some time and use that as your marking bible if you right. want to keep one super pristine maybe it was a gift that's fine yeah. but you can buy one that's a little bit cheaper that you're okay using a marker on obviously you want to keep it nice it's right. god's word mm-hmm. but you know you're okay using your marker on and, and mark it up and it's totally true that's something that helps me see as well yeah and so i love that And i'm looking at his bible right now and it, it's orderly you know and it you can see each of these little places and so even if i were to pick up his bible and he were sitting here you know i could sit here and start to see these for myself i could say oh wow oh wow there's a pattern here that god's yeah. doing something yeah. and so i love that let the bible mark you as you mark your bible i don't exactly know how you said it but yeah. it was quotable i messed it up but he said it way <laughs> way, way better
Okay, so I think we were talking about you know how God did this, and we we started off by saying, and God said, right? We see this him speaking, and it's pretty cool. If you look in in the Bible, it's a command. God commands light to exist. It's pretty crazy. He says, light exists, you know, mm-hmm. and and you think, well, who's there listening? There's no. That's what the whole point is. Is yeah. there's nothing there. Yeah, God, he's has it's the word that's only used for God to create something. Right. And he says, exists, it obeys, and it exists, which right. is really amazing. And how does he do this, Brother AJ? He just says it. What What's going on here? What's the Bible trying to tell us? Okay, so again, uh, and this is where I'm, I'm bouncing up and down the seat here. I, I, this is so exciting because who is he talking to? The Israelites. We've said that a dozen times. You know what he's going to say in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy? He's about to say the law. And this law is about to change. It's about to change everything about them, their entire existence, their 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 habits, their work ethics, their dress standards, their eating habits. Everything about them is about to change by God giving them this law. It didn't just stop at the Ten Commandments. It talks about very specific things. So you know what Moses is doing? Again, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, who's telling him what to write here in Genesis. He's showing Israel, your life is in chaos. The only thing that will bring your life out of chaos, that will give structure to that which is lacking structure and fill that which is void, is going to be God's word. Mm, I mean, if there's a place you want to just jump up and down, that's it right there. You want to underline that, you want to mark that, if he could say that 300 times, it'd be worth this whole episode. God's word is what does it. I'm sorry, I interrupted. I was just too excited. That's good. God's word, man. <laughs> That's right. Because what what, what did it with creation? God's word. What's going to do it in the Israelites' life? God's word. And you know what? He, it was so good to give them Genesis 1 because you know what it's doing? It's just it's it's affirmation. It's showing, listen, this word that's about to get be given to them, they can trust it. Because every time the word acted, what was the result? It was good. Mm. It was good. So God said, uh, through my word, Israel, you will have order to that which was used to be chaos. That's great. So God's word is the thing that totally reorganizes and gives meaning, purpose. And that's what really helps us understand who we are, why we're here, and fills our lives. Helps us, it guides our lives. That's that, you know, structure. And then it fills those lives. And we see this word as powerful, but it doesn't stop here in Genesis 1. Obviously, it's powerful because it created everything we know, anything right. we can think about. Uh-huh. And that's Genesis 1. But the Bible continues on, and we see more and more of how God's word is powerful. Are there any instances that come to your mind that, that we see the power of the word of God? Oh, yeah. So uh, by the time you get to, to David, David is going to be coming from the, the the same group of people that Moses is talking to. Uh, there, there's a tribe in there called Judah. They would have been part of the audience that's hearing Genesis 1. Well, some of their descendants are going to have kids and kids and kids. And eventually this man named David is going to come on the scene. David, the one who smote Goliath. And David is going to go through a roller coaster of a life. He's going to have highs. He's going to have lows all in the process of serving God. And you know what he constantly comes back to? He says, thy word have I hid in mine heart. He delighted himself in the law of the Lord. It all That was David's theme, David's anthem. The longest chapter in the Bible 
is Psalm one, Psalm one nineteen. Well, it's not actually a chapter; it's a psalm. But yeah, yeah, for yeah, our purposes, 100%. yeah, it's it's the longest uh, unit there in the Bible. And you know what that entire psalm emphasizes is God's word. It, it, he says that God's word is 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 the thing that was holding him together. And think about it this way. We think of God's word as we lift up our Bible. We have 66 books, Genesis through Revelation. David had pretty much Genesis through Deuteronomy. That, yeah. That's what he had. Just the first five books, the the law, and that's what David was feast. I mean, so I don't mean to jump ahead in application, but if David could be so consumed with just the first five books, how much more, if we have 61 additional books, can we be consumed? For sure. For sure. No, that is that is a really good time to apply that. And if you're out there and you're listening, the thing that's going to help you the most, I, I love being able to do this podcast. Podcasts are great. They have their place. But the thing that's going to really anchor your life, give you structure in your life, and even fill your life will be the Word of God. And you've got to have a time where you sit down every day and you just let the Word of God get through you. It mark you, right? right. We, we let it have its imprint on your life. And if there's nothing else you get from today, that's something that you got to take away. And it maybe it means getting rid of some of your idols. You know, for me, one of my favorite idols is uh, Mr. Pillow, you know? And, you know, <laughs> yes. we think, ah, oh, if I just sleep in for a little bit longer, my life is going to be more satisfied, more <laughs> this or whatever. But you got to say, you know what, I'm going to wake up at this time. I'm going to give some time to, to my Bible. I don't know what that time's going to be for you. It's going to be different for everybody. But I'm going to wake up. The Bible says, David said, he said, that I'm going to seek him early. Mm-hmm. I, I myself, yes. he says, will awake early. And every time you see a man of God, you can see it with Joshua when he's about to fight Jericho. He gets up a great while before day. You see that with Jesus up a great while before day. Yep. And it takes that discipline just to say, you know what? I'm going to put God first because I want his word to structure my life and to fill my life. And so I'm, I'm glad you took the time to stop there and apply it. But the word of God continues to move through the scriptures, right? Yep. And it becomes kind of some, uh, it's something we hear often, is, especially as we read the prophets, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. And we see over and over again, the word of the Lord came. Right. Right? Exactly. And in this, uh, the series that Pastor Addison is ultimately showing, which I, I absolutely love. I, I'm going to take some of this back with me to Seattle. Is showing how from Genesis to Revelation, this isn't just a random book with random compilations of ideas throughout history. No, it all works together. Yeah. Genesis one through the end, and the the high point, the 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 focal point of the Bible is this: the Word became flesh, mm. and to us that means something. To the Hebrews that. That really meant something because yeah. the entire time that their life was governed by what the word of God that came by Moses writing the law. And it also came later through the prophets who stand and they would go to cities and say, thus saith the Lord. That was the word of the Lord. And so for hundreds and hundreds of years, they were they were being fed the word of God and they were showing that something is coming that's going to fulfill this word is going to come and 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 be the the climax. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I love that because the whole Bible is just moving this direction. Right. There's this word that even in the Old Testament was structuring. It was defeating chaos. It was to go back to our Messiah episode. It was crushing the head of the snake. It was yeah. it was it was uh, bruising the head of the snake. You know, in their own lives. 
it was bruising the head of the Egyptian snake that was in their hearts. You know, I, I love how last last night, it, it, this was weeks ago now when this podcast comes out, but on that Wednesday, on that Monday night, you talked about how that was consuming them. Their idols were consuming them. But the word of God is what stamped out this serpent. You know, yes. we're starting to see this foretaste of this serpent bruiser. And so it's the word of the Lord, and we see it over and over again. And whenever Isaiah comes, he's he's giving him this word, and it's stamping out that idolatry in their heart. And it's the word of the Lord that's doing it. Right. You know, it's it's killing this chaos. Yes. And we see it over and over and over again. The word of God, that's what defeats sin. The word if I hid in my heart that I might not sin, that chaos of right. sin. I might not sin against thee. And then we see what you just said, John chapter 1, verse 14. Well, we can even start in verse number one. If you're reading your Bible, this is huge. It says, in the beginning was the word. Right. Well, it just starts it right there. So it's, it's, it's bringing you right back to Genesis. Same words. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. But instead, in John chapter one, he says, okay, guys, in the beginning was the word. Right. And the word was with God and the word was God. And then he goes on to tell us that. This word was what created the earth. He yep. says, all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. I just love it. I love it. And you look like you're about to tell us something that's, that's amazing. Tell us, man. <laughs> so the, the, the word became flesh. And you know, as you're studying your Bible, think about it this way. Everything in the Old Testament points to who? Mm. Jesus. Everything in the New Testament if, if Jesus was on the earth at the time, meaning it, during the Gospels, the very beginning of Acts, then Jesus was the focal point. And once Jesus ascended back up to heaven and then left his church here, what the, what the who's still the main focal point? It didn't move on. It points right back to Jesus. So the way the Bible all ties together, we could say in one word, Jesus. Yeah, 100%. Jesus. It's Jesus, and he's that word, you know. He's the word that's come. He's the Messiah. He's the snake crusher who's going to ultimately deal with this chaos, yes. the chaos that I have in my life because of sin, the chaos that you feel in your life because of sin, all of that tohu and bohu that we all experience. Jesus came in a very real sense to add structure and to fill with his life. And I think we want to talk about that for a second. How in the world does he do this? And, and we saw in Genesis it was the spoken word, and we see that also in Jesus' life, you know, with him healing people who had visible tohu and bohu, whether it be physical ailments, right? right? Whether it right. be the sea, mm -hmm. you know, that's that visible chaos. And he says, peace be still with his own words, and it's calm. Right. But it, that's that's really pictorial. It's it's showing his power, and we see in, that he does this with the lame man who tells the walk. He's demonstrating his spiritual power by a physical manifestation. If you're not sure what I'm saying, there was a lame man who was brought to Jesus, and Jesus says, your sins be forgiven you. And he says, the people are like, wait, how, how can this guy forgive sins? But only God can forgive sins. He says, okay, let me ask you a question. Is it easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise, take up your bed, and walk? And it's an impossible question. Both things are things only God can do, and that's what they're probably thinking. He says, okay, so to prove I can do the one, let me do the second. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And so we see the power adding structure, giving people the ability to stand, and we're seeing the visible sign, but there's this definite spiritual side that Jesus was coming to, to confront, the spiritual chaos, right. the spiritual tohu and bohu, and that's the reason he came. He didn't come just so he could heal people. Exactly. He didn't come so he can calm the waters and say, yeah, I'm strong, I'm powerful, my word is powerful. Yep. He came to show us that there was a real problem that he came to confront, 
And I want you, Brother AJ, to hit on that. Like, how did Jesus, why, why did he come? And then how did he finally conquer this ultimate tohu and bohu? Right. So, again, tying it or keeping it where we're at here in Genesis, the world left to itself was in chaos. Israel left to itself was in chaos. And your life, no matter who you are, where you're sitting today, your life left to itself is in chaos. And what Jesus came to do was not to put you in a better situation mm. physically, not to put you, because the variety of people that could be listening to this, there could be people that are uh, sleeping in the gutter. There could be people that are sleeping in mansions tonight. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, life is completely tohu and bohu apart from Christ. That's not the problem. The problem isn't our, the problem isn't physical. When Jesus came, he didn't come just to uh, give people a better life for a couple years so that they could die later on. He came because the in Genesis 3, man failed. Man failed. Uh, the, for, uh, the, the, the standard that God put in the garden was do not eat that fruit. Adam and Eve reached out, and with one rule they couldn't keep, man became separated from God. Yep. And the entire purpose, the, the purpose of the entire Bible is this, redeeming man to God through Jesus Christ. Yeah. So that's the focal point. That's how Jesus today, through his word, is, is, is changing a life that's in chaos, that's tohu and bohu, to now being order. It's, it's not by giving you organizational skills. It's by redeeming you to himself. And what does that look like? It means that by yourself— you are a sinner, you are separated from God, and again, what did we say separation leads? It leads to chaos. Yeah. So you were born separated from God. The only way you can be reconciled, and reconciled just means brought back together with God, is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Je now, that's huge, that's huge, and I know we as believers, that's a common thing. Yes. We talk yes. about that often. But if you're someone who's not a Christian, that's like, what? what? Right. Like that, that seems like a huge leap. Yeah. Explain, like, why is this? Why does it cost a life? Right. So if you were to think of it this way, we've all uh, seen maybe on TV or in real life a, a, a judicial court. So whenever you're standing before the judge, as the, the person who is being convicted, we stand before God in, in this courtroom setting guilty. We broke the law. We've we've fallen short. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short, meaning we missed the mark. We missed the standard. Yeah. So we stand before God guilty. The only payment for sin is death, for the wages of sin is death. So we stand before God guilty with this with this price tag, this this penalty of death. What Jesus did was he came down from the Father. It says, for God so loved his Son that he gave, uh, sorry, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Jesus came down and he lived a sinless, perfect life. The Word became flesh. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. And then he died in your place. If we were to make it very, very uh, simple, if I had a $50 parking ticket, that ticket has to be paid. Right. If Pastor Addison were to come in and pay the $50 parking ticket, well, 
you could sit there and say, well, that's that's not fair. He didn't break the rule. But the thing is, it was it was clean. It was the 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 debt has now been paid. Right. Well, you amplify that, and now Jesus Christ came and died to pay for our sins. Right. By taking our place. So he's our right. substitute. I think that's a good word. Yes. Is he where we should have been, God substituted Jesus. Right. And so we should have been separated from God. That's what death is. That's what spiritual death is. That's what eternal death is. That's even what hell is. It's this separation from God. And God is everything good and pleasant and comfortable. And when you get separated from God, you can't have those things. You can't have peace. You can't have comfort. And so you get the exact opposite. And so Jesus came and he said, I don't want you to pay it. It's like something, me coming up to, uh, to Brother AJ, I don't know why I do this, but I come up to him and say, Brother AJ, I don't want you to pay that $50 parking ticket, right? And that's the God that we serve. He says, I don't want you to suffer. I don't want you to go through that. That's right. not why I created you. Yeah. I created you with a purpose, and I can actually bring you back into that purpose to be redeemed, as he said, to be reconciled to me. You can go back to that Edenic state, actually even better to that Edenic state, but I, I will take that price for you, and that's what Jesus did on the cross. Yes. He stepped in between us and our judgment, and he said, I will take it. I will pay the fine. Right. I will pardon you by actually taking it on myself. He didn't just arbitrarily forgive us. He didn't say, oh, I just forgive you. I'm just going to forget it ever happened. Right. No justice and forgiveness. The Bible says mercy and, and justice. They met each other. They kissed each other at the cross. So this forgiveness he offers is not just, yeah, I'll just forget about it. He paid for it. And so he has the ability to say, I'm not going to hold you accountable for it anymore. Right. But how does that get applied to us, Brother AJ? You know, we said, that's great. He died for us. So what, what, like, how, how do I get that payment on my account? Right. So if, if you were to go out and to earn it somehow, you know what that does? That lowers the cost. Because ultimately, and I've, I've tried to share this with people in Washington this way, if I were to go to God and say, look, I've, I've, I've earned your mercy, I've earned your forgiveness, God's saying, I paid the price and the price was my son, and now you're bringing something to the table? You're saying that your good deeds are as good as my son? Mm. Well, how? There's no comparison there. So we come to God completely empty-handed. The only thing we can do is acknowledge our sin, acknowledge, yes, Lord, you're right, I am a sinner. The only way I can be right with you is through the blood of Jesus Christ and accept that and confess, say, Father, I accept your payment for sin. Yeah. And and that's going to be faith. Right. You got to believe that what Jesus did on the cross was good enough. Is God really that good? Is he really good enough to pay for you? Like, that's a huge step. It's going to change your mind. It's what the Bible calls repentance. You have to turn from the, your way of thinking from your way of living, from your way of understanding the world, and finally saying, God, your way is better than my way. And you got to say, God, I, I don't get it. You know, I don't understand it all. But I believe that you literally died for me. I believe it. I believe that what you did was good enough. I believe you are good enough that you would actually pay for me. And that's, that's a big step because most of us, when we're born in this world, actually all of us, we don't think God is that good. Mm. We actually think of him as the enemy. And that's that, that sin that's infected us. We think God's not good. He's just this big guy up in the sky who just wants to hurt me. He, wants what, he doesn't want what's best for me. And that's the deception. And then this faith in Christ is, it undoes that. Yes. And now you look at God and say, wow, he actually loves me. Wow, this God actually cares about me and wants what's best for me. And you have to accept that by faith. And the proof, though, is in Romans 5.8. It's what he did on the cross. Exactly. The way we can know that he cares about us 
It's not just by because I told you, but it's because he actually came to earth and demonstrated it. Romans 5, 8 says, but God commendeth. That word means to demonstrate. God didn't just say it. He's just not all talk. God proved his love. It says God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he proved that he actually does have goodwill towards us and that he came to earth, lived among us, let us spit on him, let us pull out his beard, let us drive nails into his feet and hands, let us laugh at him. He proved that he cared about us by letting us do this, not so that he could pay for himself, but so that he could pay for the very people who were doing it to him. That's love. Right. That's love right there. And that's what God did for you. That's what God did for me. And the way you accept this free gift is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe God right. did this for you. Believe it. Accept it. Confess it with your mouth. You, you can't hide this inside. If you just listen to this podcast and go about your life the same and you don't tell anybody that you believe Jesus paid for your sins, odds are you really don't believe it. You got to confess. It's got to become something that's integral. It's really, I can't even think of the word integral. Is that a word? Integral? It, it's a vital. big, vital. It's vital. It's huge. It's a big part of your life. But here's the deal. Although this is the climax, that's not the end of the story. Yes. How does this climax and this word of God, how does it affect us? So uh, thinking about back to creation, it, it's so it's so obvious. It's a, it's a physical difference. So that which was a chaos is now this beautiful creation, which we can look at and enjoy and go out and run through the grass and watch the moon at night. It's, it's literally right there before us. We see the evidence. And a life that is now given over to Christ— means that we are eternally secure, meaning mm. we you can't lose your salvation. Once you have accepted Jesus Christ and you have acted on faith, like Pastor Addison said, and have accepted that gift of salvation, then you're eternally secure, but you still live here in this world that's been affected by sin. You still live in this flesh. Chaotic world. Yes, that's a good word for it. Chaos. You still live in the midst of chaos, but guess what? God is actively at work now because you're his child. He is actively at work taking you from a formlessness to that which has form and that which is empty to filling. You say, well, Brother AJ, I I got saved and my body is exactly the same. Nothing changed. Well, here's where it gets really, really exciting. We uh, all, all throughout the New Testament, there is instruction for believers those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And one of the clearest passages that shows how God is changing us now since we've been saved is in Romans chapter number 8. In Romans chapter number 8, verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And we, we don't need to get scared at that and say, well, Am I called or are some not called? Listen, God wants everyone, God desires for all men to be saved. Yep. And once we are saved, then we, uh, in verse number 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. That word confirmed, I, I think last night in the course of preaching on, on Monday night, I, I had the audience read that word with me, conformed. Yeah. Because you know what a good substitute for conformed would be? Structure. Yeah. To give form to that which is lacking 
form, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Here's what that verse is saying. Now that you're saved, God is actively at work making you into the image of Jesus. Well, mm. Brother AJ, was it? I'm going to start dressing and wearing sandals, looking like Jesus. No, here's what, here's what it means. It means now you start acting like Jesus. Yep, yep. What You start talking like Jesus. You start living like Jesus. You start behaving like Jesus. Somebody... Somebody does you wrong, you treat them like Jesus. You wake up in the morning, you have the same goals Jesus had. You, you, you live your life like Jesus. And guess what? That takes a life that was living for nothing. A life that was just going day by day with no structure, no goals, no uh, c- a complete chaos. And now there is complete form. There is a complete structure. And, and that is looking like Jesus, mm. having a life that's made in the image of of Jesus. Ooh, that's good. I love that. Now, if you've listened to our previous episodes, especially the one about the image of God, you see how this this really comes full circle. God created us in his image, yet we marred that image. Right. We marred it when we fell. And yet God, this whole time, he had a plan to remake us back into his image. And so he sent himself. He came, and that was Christ. And now the whole goal, after you get saved, is to be remade back into the image of God. And that's what he's saying here. He says, you will be transformed. You will be remade. That's why here at Axis we say, we believe faith in Jesus changes things. That's our motto. That's why we do what we do. Because when somebody accepts by faith what Jesus did, it changes your life. It takes the formlessness and conforms you to the image of God, back to the very purpose God created you to be. But even this isn't the end. It keeps moving because you see right now we're living in the midst of chaos. We're still living in an imperfect world. We're not back at that Edenic state. So we haven't made the full circle yet. We're living as remade humans, as those new humans in a not new world, right? We're living in a broken universe still Mm -hmm. and people around us are still doing bad. And that's why the Sermon on the Mount is huge. How do new humans live in a broken world, you know? And we have all of Jesus's teachings that help us understand even though the world's not perfect yet, how we can live like Christ, but that's not how God's leaving it. He doesn't just leave it broken. He has a purpose for this world. And brother AJ, you want to bring us full circle and bring us back to the, bring us back to the end, you know, bring us towards the end where we're going to sum it all up, how the Bible brings this whole chaos to a close by his word. Right. So it would be kind of a, disappointing truth to think that well this is just how things are going to be forever right i mean i'm I'm saved that is fantastic that's uh, that's enough to keep me excited for eternity but the creation that god created at the very beginning is still messed up it's still in chaos so the way that will end is jesus told his disciples that i go and i will come again he's going to come back and those who have been redeemed those who have acted on faith and and claimed Jesus' uh, payment for sin, he's going to come back. And ultimately, you go all the way from Genesis to the end of the Bible and Revelations. And Revelations chapter 19, verse 21 says, And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth. Now, again, we're jumping into a passage that has a definite context, but he's saying that this this earth that is in chaos and the devil, the enemy who has caused chaos for uh, 
thousands and thousands of years is now about to be dealt with. And it ends the same way it began was with the power of the word. And and God's about to ultimately uh, complete the redemption process to start all the way back in Genesis. And it ends with the same silver cord that goes all the way through the Bible, and that's through his word. Yeah, no, that's huge. I love that. And so we see the word proceed out of his mouth, and it defeats his enemies. And we see the devil, he's bound, you know, for that thousand years while he reigns for that thousand years. And then after that, the devil's loosed, and he deceives some people again. We see some a little more chaos stirring, and God just wipes them out. You know, the Bible says fire comes from heaven and they are just done. The devil is cast into the lake of fire. Death and hell are cast into the lake of fire. And we see the end of chaos, you know, and now there's no more chaos. The Bible says there's no more night. There's no more tears. All of this heartache and sorrow that has plagued us for so long because of sin, it's finalized here. We finally get to the end and we see in Gen- not Genesis, in Revelation chapter 21, I believe it is, we see the, the new human project completed as, as John says this, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. Now what he's saying here basically is there's a new universe, okay? There's a new heaven, that's, that's the outside of our atmosphere, and there's a new earth, that's where we are now. And so this whole universe is remade. And he says that I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold the tabernacle, that goes back to the Garden of Eden, where God dwells, is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them. So now there's no more of that separation. Everything has been drawn to an ultimate beautiful resolution. And it says, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death. There's no more of this chaos that causes the separation from God, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things, the things of this chaotic world are passed away. And look at this. It says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write these words, write these for write, for these words are true and faithful. And look at this, it says, And he said unto me, It is done. Amen. What he started in Genesis chapter one, trying to create a humanity that was his image on a world that was perfect and good, it's now done. He could have just wiped us out after Adam and Eve fell, but he decided to take the long route and remake us broken humans and remake this broken world into a world that's beautiful, where love flourishes, flourishes, and we're able to make that free choice that we want to be with God and he wants to be with us. And it's that ultimate resolution where order is there and chaos is gone, where it's full and there's no more of this emptiness and it's just that beautiful picture. And this is where the world is heading, you know. And this is why in, in Romans chapter 8, he tells us. Let me look it up real fast. So this is why he says here in Romans chapter 8, he says this. He says that this all is working together for good. Oftentimes we 
we just take that out of context and we just think, man, it just means everything works for good, which is the truth. But when he's talking here, he's talking in the context of remaking things. He says that not only are we groaning in ourselves, we're waiting for that redemption of our bodies, but he's saying also the world is groaning. It's waiting to be remade. And he goes on to say in verse number 28, as, as brother AJ said, he says, and we know that all things work together for good. This is what Paul was telling them. Even though on this earth, you're going to have trials and you're going to have tribulations and people are not going to like you. And back in this day, people would kill you for being a Christian. He says, don't worry about that. Everything that happens in your life is working towards this ultimate resolution where everything will be remade, whether you're thrown into the den of lions, whether people hate you on this earth, everything, nothing can stop this ultimate resolution from coming. Everything will be remade. You will be remade. And he goes on to say this. He says, what shall we then say to these things? He says, can we be sure this is going to happen? Can we be sure that there's this ultimate resolution where everything works out for good? And he says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Right. If God wants this ultimate resolution to come to pass, who can stop it? And he, he doesn't stop there. He goes on. He says that he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not? with him also freely give us all things. That's that filling you were talking about. You know, if God is, if God is given us his son, he's going to give us this ultimate, beautiful creation. There's nothing he's holding back from us. And he goes on and he says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? He says, who's going to put a bad thing on your record? It's God that justifieth. If God's standing there saying you're forgiven because you believe my son, There's nobody who can stand up and say, hey, Pastor Addison, he lied once. Nobody in your family can come up and put anything on your charge. No devil can put anything on your charge. And this is what Paul's trying to tell you. It's all working towards that good. Right. Nothing. Nobody who hates you can stop this good from happening. And he goes on and says, who is he that condemneth? Who can condemn you and send you to hell if you've believed on Jesus? Because he goes on and says, it's Christ that died. Mm -hmm. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who's even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So this is the picture he's trying to tell you. You're afraid that somebody might condemn you even though you believed on Jesus and you're maybe this ultimate good won't be for you. But he says this, okay, if you believed on Jesus, Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father right now telling him why you are innocent. And so nobody could say he should go to hell because Jesus is standing there saying, nope, I've paid for him. He's free. And he continues to go on because maybe you're afraid, well, I don't want to get separated from Jesus. Maybe I can lose this. Maybe I'm going to get there and he's not going to like me. And he goes on in verse 35 and he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And so he says, okay, you're afraid that you might be separated from him. He says, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, peril or the sword? He says, as as it is written, for thy sake, we're killed all the day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. These people were going through crazy times and they're afraid that maybe I will get disconnected from Jesus. But he says, nay or no. And all of these things and all of this persecution were more than conquerors. Why? Because there's this ultimate resolution coming and it's been paid for through him that loved us. And he ends off this amazing chapter by saying, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing stopping this ultimate resolution. Everything in your life, whether you are made fun of for being a Christian, whether people despise you, whether your family disowns you, everything is working towards your ultimate good. Chaos will be defeated. This order and this filling of God will come to pass. 
and nothing can stop it. Anything you want to add, Brother AJ? I just have to say, wasn't God so good to have given us his word? Mm. To be in a situation in this world and, and chaos, not just not just externally, but internally, and have to figure it out on our own. Right. How overwhelming that would be. But God was so good to give us Genesis 1, not just Genesis 1, but all the way through the Bible. And for us to have it so freely, for it to be so accessible. And I just, if I could end on any note, it would be this one. At the end of verse number 2, in, in Genesis chapter number 1, it says, And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. He moved. He fluttered. And what God did in six days, we're still studying out thousands of years later, and it blows us away looking at a sin-cursed version. If God's Spirit came down and through His Word did that in six days, what is He trying to accomplish in your life as a 13-year-old, as a 33-year-old, as a 63-year-old? He is actively at work, and through His Word, as His Spirit Uh, works through his word to change you. He has an amazing plan that is the opposite of chaos. Well, thanks, Brother Ragey. That was so good. I love the way you summed it up. And I know there are people out there who need this because I needed it, you know, and it's just an amazing truth that our God can bring order, structure, and filling to our chaotic, empty lives. And if you're out there listening, oh man, recommend this to a friend who you know needs it just as much as we all do and and see God take their life and and remake them the same way he's remade you, the same way he's remade me and Brother AJ. Brother AJ, thank you so much again for sitting with me and recording these episodes. I know I'm going to have to come back and re-listen to these things over and over again. They've been such a help. Well, amen. And it's it's been a growing process for me. I'm walking away encouraged and i'm so thankful for you pastor edison for your investment in this church i i am so encouraged by what the lord's doing here thank you so much for listening i hope this was a tremendous help to you i know it was a help to me and i i'm never going to be able to look at genesis 1 the same but this is the truth god has big plans for each and every one of you whether you're down and out or up and coming god can do great things with your life and he has a purpose and he has a plan for you now we have some interesting things coming up on the podcast we're excited to see what god has for us in the coming weeks you won't want to miss us next thursday we'll see you then Thank you.